It's Never Too Late, the show that highlights stories of people everywhere who have proved that it's never too late to get started on a new path of success. I'm your host, Joseph Sprung, and today we have a very moving story to share with everyone that shows it's truly never too late to honor someone's legacy. With us today, we have Sandy Marks, who I met during the COVID pandemic through our mutual connection to High Lifeline. I'm a past president of High Lifeline and have supported this amazing organization for many years. High Lifeline was a huge source of strength and comfort, an incredible source resource for Sandy and her daughter, Cammie, when cancer impacted their family. Sandy, unfortunately, lost Cammie to cancer a year and a half ago, but she didn't let that be the end. Thankfully, Cammie had frozen her eggs before her cancer treatment, and after her passing, Sandy decided to move forward with the surrogate. Earlier this year, she welcomed her granddaughter, Ariella Schuyler Marks, into the world. Ariella is a beautiful, healthy baby, and Sandy will raise her. Now, first of all, I'm so sorry for your loss. When Thank you, do- you. I'm sure you and your daughter were very close. Can you tell us some more about Cammy and also about you and your late husband, who was a great, great source of strength for you? Thank you so much, and thank you for allowing me to share my story with you today. Uh, Cammie uh, was just the most amazing daughter that anybody could ever have. Not only was she my daughter, but she was my best friend. She was diagnosed at the age of 11 and fought bravely for, for nine years. My husband also passed away suddenly. Um, he did know about the diagnosis. He, pa- he passed away one year after Cammie uh, was diagnosed. So it was basically just me and Cammie on this, on this journey. On a personal level, when uh, we met in California this past uh, April, uh, I was totally floored about your courage and your dedication and your strength and I, I think uh, I think you noticed that I was crying after you had told me your story. So let's move into it right now. Okay. How did okay. you decide to move forward with the surrogacy and ultimately the birth of, the, of your granddaughter? Is this something you talked about with Cammie before she passed? Uh, no, actually it wasn't. Um, it, 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 the whole journey started approximately two weeks before she passed away. Uh, I had been told that she had another couple of months left. I'm not even quite sure what happened because I had forgotten. We, we, when she was 17, she came to me and said, I'd like to freeze my eggs. So I said, let's do it. Fine. And I forgot about it. I didn't give it another thought. Something just inside of me, it, it just popped into my head. And I remembered that we had these eggs. So I called the doctor's office. And they said that because she was now over the age of 18, that she would have ha- she had to give permission for me to handle all of this stuff. So I spoke to Tammy about it, and she signed a power of attorney. Um, I went back to the doctor's office. Surprisingly, they initially said no. They had an upper limit uh, for parents 
of 55 years of age. And it makes some sense. The reasoning behind it is that they wanted the parents to be around to raise this child. So he did say no. And I thought, well, I'll find another doctor at some point. A couple of days later, I got a phone call. And the doctor had reconsidered and said that my story was so compelling that he wanted to be a part of this. And, and that I needed to come and pick up a kit because we had to get some samples from Tammy before she passed away. Uh, what they do is they want to ensure the health of the surrogate. So they want to make sure that there isn't hepatitis or other types of diseases floating around out there that might affect the surrogate. So I was really hesitating. But again, I had this feeling inside of me that said, you need to go down to the doctor's office. You need to pick up the kit. It was a Friday. I went down there. It was uh, my daughter was at Cedars, which is in the city in Los Angeles. I had to drive out to the valley, picked up the kit, came back. And we were making arrangements with the hospital and the doctors and everybody because they were going to take the sample. They were going to do this on the following Monday so that it could get shipped to the lab. Unexpectedly, she passed away the very next day. It, there were so many things that happened during this entire process that it was just one miracle after another in order for Ariella to, uh, to be born. Uh, it, it was just unbelievable. They gave me an extra kit, which turned out that I needed because there had been an error made in how the samples were collected. The samples were actually collected after she passed away, which at the time I didn't recognize was such a difficult procedure. They, need to, they needed a blood sample, and her heart had stopped beating, and they said that it is incredibly difficult to, to get that type of a blood sample. But miraculously, the hospital was able to get everything that we needed. I was a basket case. I have a friend of mine that was down there at the time. She's a cardiologist, and she helped direct the nurses as to what to do because I I rather checked out at that point. And then the ensuing weeks, uh, I just was working with the fertility doctor and I had to, there were so many things that had to be, that had to be done. I had to select a surrogate and there again, that was, it was rather miraculous. I had selected somebody, but had second thoughts. There, there were just a few things that just didn't feel quite right. So I went back to the agency and, the woman that I was working with was incredibly nice and said, don't worry about a thing. We'll, we'll select a new surrogate. She called me, uh, she called me up about a month after we had started that process and told me that the surrogate, that the original surrogate had been assigned to a different family and that the embryo didn't take. So it, it, this, there has to be some type of divine intervention through this entire process. Uh, Tammy, I, I just really feel that Tammy is smiling from above and knows exactly what's been going on. And she, uh, 
I know that she's she's happy about the whole the whole thing. I'm sure. Oh, wow. Now, one thing I just want to say right now is while while you were doing this, and if I recall correctly, and that Cammy was the star for so many high lifeline dinners. Uh, I've watched uh, some of her videos, and I can't keep a dry eye when I watch her videos. And if I recall the dates correctly, when you decided when you did the kit was the Friday before uh, the high life the high lifeline dinner, which was that Sunday, which ended up being canceled because of Corona. Am I correct? Is that mm-hmm. the, are my dates correct? Well, oh, the, well, the dinner that. The one that she did the when she no, spoke. I'm talking about when, when I'm talking about the dinner. You know, the weekend she the weekend that she passed away was the yeah. same weekend as the High Lifeline dinner uh, that was canceled. That I remember Rabbi Scholar flying out to go yeah. to the dinner, and they canceled the dinner that they canceled the dinner that morning. And so everything yeah. that you did with going, get, you know, getting the test done, uh, going back and forth, being in Cedar, you know, being in Cedar Sinai. Uh, where we as caregivers have done uh, hospital visits and done hospital visits there uh, and yeah, then get, right. and then doing all of this doing you know it just you know besides how heroic this is under under normal circumstances to do all of this when covid was raging during those months is more miraculous when she passed away exactly one week before everything shut down for covid all right and so I was able to actually, we were able to have a funeral and people showed up. And it was right after that point that nobody could do anything. People were, it was very okay. sad. I, I remember that very on the news. Yeah. Yeah. I know this is probably the least of your concerns, but I'm sure some of our listeners are wondering, did you consider the logistics of raising another child at this age? Did it deter you at all? I just. I just had a blind eye to it. Uh-huh. <laughs> I just charged forward. I, I felt, I just felt this very strong feeling that I had to take a little piece of Cammy and bring her forward into, uh, into the future. And it was so compelling for me that everything else fell by the wayside. I spoke with some of my friends, I, some people that are a little bit younger than me, and I have a very close friend who was incredibly close with Cami as well. Uh, so she has agreed that if something were to happen to me, that she would raise Ariella. Well, that part of the logistics, I, I took care of fairly quickly, but I never really thought about it. I think... Dealing with loss has made me realize that you need to live each day to the fullest and not worry about what if. So true. There, there's so many people that have had some, I mean, tragic endings. I mean, I mean, if you think about what happened with 9-11, oh my gosh. People that their loved ones went to work and never came home. So we we just we can't worry about what's going to happen tomorrow, and just do the best that we can each day. Okay. Uh, watching Cammy tell her story at the High Lifeline annual galas and other occasions has been inspirational for thousands of people, including me. How often do you watch her videos? Oh, 
this is sad. I do watch them all the time. Almost every day I put on a video. It comforts me in a sense and makes me feel like she's, she's still there with me. And she is inspirational. I still send these videos to everybody that I know. And if I meet new people, I will tell them about Tammy and her bravery and, and send them the video because she, she was not only my daughter, but she really was my inspiration. She went, what she went through without complaining and during all of this treatment, she was a student at USC on the Dean's list. We would make last-minute travel plans. I, I think the most amazing thing of all is that there was one time where we were at Cedars and she had a radiation treatment because the cancer had spread to the brain. My girlfriend came to Cedars picked us up and drove us to the airport after the treatment. We just, we did crazy things like that. We just got on a plane and, um, and then we flew, uh, we flew to Israel at that time. And then from Israel, I had made arrangements for an experimental treatment at MD Anderson in Houston. So we flew to Houston. I thought that the treatment was going to start then. But they needed to thaw cells and do some other projects and said, can you come back in three weeks? So, of course, they're saying yes. So I just looked at Tammy and said, all right, we can stay in Houston. We can go home or, or we have our passport. Do you want to go to Europe? So the answer was Europe. And two hours later, we were on a flight to the Netherlands. Oh, my God. Okay. And how long did you spend in Europe? We were there for two weeks, and then we uh, flew flew back to uh, Houston, and then she started the treatment. I was very hopeful. It, it was an experimental treatment called TIL, Tumor Infiltrating Leukocytes, where they take an army of your white blood cells, mm -hmm. and that's supposed to attack the tumors. It, it does work, and it has worked. For some people, um, unfortunately, it was not effective for for Tammy, and it was it was a difficult treatment for her to go through. And I know she was doing it; she was doing it for me. Why only for you? Well, we really were we were really very very close. It whether it had something to do with the fact that she lost her dad, or the disease or combination of all of these things, she knew how difficult the treatment was going to be. And I think that there were times where she wanted to give up and she didn't want to do it. But she also wanted, she wanted to be with me and was willing to put herself through some of these very horrific treatment because she knew that I wanted her to be okay. And we would have a discussion to talk about 
whether or not she should be doing this or not because the some of the treatments the we just didn't know if it was it the uh, percentage that it was effective was a bit low so it was the type of thing that you needed to have some faith and hope that you were going to be one of the lucky ones that it worked she had melanoma which was not from sun exposure adolescent melanoma is a genetic condition and it is generally from a mole that when the kids go through puberty somehow or other the hormones light it up she was a competitive figure skater and spent all of her time indoors she never was she was not outside and never got sunburned it's more of a, a rarer form of melanoma that most people are not aware about. So I tell people all the time that if they see any moles, that they should go to a dermatologist and have a screening because if this disease is caught early enough, it's completely curable. If it's stage one, they can just remove it and you can go on your merry way and be perfectly healthy. So for Ariella, because of this background, she's being monitored and watched by a pediatric dermatologist over at Children's Hospital Los Angeles. So we are taking some proactive steps to make sure that she will be okay. This, you know, the more I, I hear, and why don't we go back to what you, you and I met yeah, you know, we said initially that we met through Kai Lifeline, and, and I think it was the Kai Lifeline connection that really cemented our, our friendship. Uh, but why don't we uh, fess up online here uh, on air uh, <laughs> how we actually met? Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. You tell the story, and then I'll I'll uh, see tell tell everybody whether it's correct or not. Okay. Right. Um, well, Tammy had um, my husband passed away eight years ago, and Tammy had always encouraged me to start dating again. And I I was very busy with her. So I didn't I didn't have any time and I did not want to take any time away from her. So after she passed away and some months had gone by, uh, well now we're in the middle of COVID. So it's, it was quite difficult to meet people at that at that time. So I decided to go on this website called JWAG and I saw your profile and it mentioned about that you do charitable work and that really struck a chord with me because that's something that I'm very interested, especially now, doing charitable things in, uh, in Cammie's memory. One of the projects that I mentioned to you was Cammie's Disney Day. Just going off on a tangent here. Uh, we were annual pass holders at Disneyland, and this was one of her favorite things to do, and we often went to Disneyland. So I wanted to take kids and teens that are struggling with cancer to Disneyland for a day. It, I wanted to make this and turn this into an annual event. So hopefully COVID 
will be history next year, and we can start this. We can start this, so you and I could, you know, I will support you in any way we can, and Bear Givers will also support you in any way we can, and doing anything that we can do for you. Uh, And and also the night that you told, want you tell everybody about the night that you told me this story about the surrogate, you know, about uh, Ariella about to be born. It was about approximately uh, four weeks before Ariella was born. Uh, we were having dinner in Los Angeles on a, uh, late on a Saturday night, and uh, you just looked uh, like you had swallowed a can, you know, like the woman that had swallowed a canary and was about, to, you know, bursting to tell me something. <laughs> and you, you even asked me the question, like, what was the craziest thing I ever did? And I was saying, why are you yeah. asking Right, the crazy, and I'm thinking, like, what, you know, where is this go? You know, where is this going? And uh, as you told me, as you told me the story that night, I was so, I was, I, my reaction was, I was so emotionally floored and happy for you. And the next day, I had a meeting with my friend Barbara Firestone. I don't know if you know Barbara; she's head of the largest school in the country for children with special needs. Uh, and we've become very close mm-hmm. with Barbara. And when I told Barbara the story, she was just as floored. Yeah, you know, I think she was almost or just as floored as I was. And her first reaction was, "What can we do to help this woman?" Uh, and I said, "Don't oh. worry. The, this woman is so strong and so uh, secure in what she does and and her following. And she could help us more than we. You know, she can help us a lot more than we can help Thank her." Thank you. What are some things you've learned from this experience that you can share with our audience today? I would say that you shouldn't, if you have a dream, you should follow it and not let other people influence what your ultimate decision turns out to be. When I was working on this project, it it was interesting because I had some of my friends and people that I knew were incredibly supportive and really were were there for me and want you know they were like oh what is it like let's let's go look online and pick out donors and um i mean just just absolutely there for me 100 percent. but there are a lot of people that also felt that i was a bit crazy they were saying to me my god you know, why, why are you doing this? Because look at your age and you, you know, you're just, you're not going to be there for this kid and, and you shouldn't be doing this. So I, I do want to encourage people. I think they should follow their dreams. And if it's something that's in your heart that you really want to do, don't listen to the naysayers because ultimately it's your life and your happiness. Uh, I have this absolutely gorgeous baby girl. Yeah, I, I can attest, yes, she is gorgeous. <laughs> okay, I'm a little bit prejudiced, but yeah, she is gorgeous. <laughs> and uh, she's uh, three and a half months now, and she's smiling, and there's just this incredible sense of joy that I'm experiencing when I take a look at her. And I'm hoping that and it's my job. I want her to be healthy and happy and grow up and hope that her dreams come true as well. Well, she has a tremendous role model in you. She Hopefully she will 
be the amazing woman that you are, and we, and we all know that she will be. I mean, this is truly unique, and it says a lot about you and your family's connection that you were strong enough to do this. Um, I'd also like to give a shout-out to the Claire Marie Foundation. Um, this is a woman that I met. Um, this is her daughter with Claire, and her daughter died of melanoma at the age of 17. And she created this foundation, and they do. It's based on the East Coast, and they do free screenings for uh, for skin cancer. So they are starting back up again since COVID, and so people can just look up Claire Marie Foundation and see where they're having their next uh, screening. And I encourage people to go. Well, thank you so much. Appreciate that information. I just want to say thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story with us. Uh, I'm, I'm speechless. And if you ask anyone oh, in my office, so that, that, I'm never speechless. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And we wish you and beautiful baby Arielle so much joy and all the best for the future. And thank you from the bottom of my heart, Sandy. Bye now. Thank you.